how to achieve your wildly important goals, why private victory always precedes public victory, how to better handle uncertainty in our lives, how to define success for yourself, and then so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, zero, one, with the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Four Disciplines of Execution, Chris McChesney. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best Shoe Podcast. Before hopping into the episode, I want to tell you about my brand new daily, weekly, and monthly planner and video course called The Best Journey Planner. In this course, you're going to learn how to slightly improve in all seven pockets of your life, health, relationships, career, financial, personal, spiritual, and other, and you'll learn how to spike in one of them at all times. You'll learn how to define success in these areas every single month, and then you'll learn how to boil it down to what it looks like on a weekly and daily basis. Just make sure you go to go.nickcarrier.com slash thebestjourneyplanner to learn more. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash thebestjourneyplanner. But for now, let's dive into the episode. I am so excited to bring you my second ever repeat guest on The Best You Podcast, Chris McChesney. Chris's episode was one of the most downloaded and listened to the first go around, so I know this one is going to be a huge hit as well. In his current role of global practice leader of execution for Franklin Covey, Chris is one of the primary developers of the four disciplines of execution. And for more than a decade, he has led Franklin Covey's design and development of these principles, as well as the consulting organization that has become the fastest growing area of the company. He's helped some of the biggest companies in the entire world like Marriott, Coca-Cola, Comcast, Kroger, and so many more develop 4DX in their companies so that they can achieve their wildly important goals. Before diving into the actual interview, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever it is that you listen and watch. And this is one of those episodes that can shift the way that you look at personal growth and achieving your own goals. So you want to make sure that you share this out with a friend or family member. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast and be sure that you're following me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and go grab a copy of the four disciplines of execution at 4dxbook.com. This is my favorite book of all time, like literally my favorite book of all time. And it's the book that has allowed me to achieve so many of my goals in my life. Again, 4dxbook.com. Without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Chris McChesney. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to have my second only repeat guest of the Best You Podcast, the one and only Chris McChesney. Chris, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. <laughs> A minute ago, Nick asked me, he asked me, what made you smile today? And I'm like, I want to get to talk to you again. <laughs> I, I love uh, I love this guy. We've, we've become very good friends after the, after the uh, our first podcast together. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's been making me smile all day as well. So, um, you guys just came out or recently came out with the second edition of the four disciplines of execution, which I posted about on my Instagram story the other day. How it's been like it's been like my all time favorite book and the book that I feel like has changed me and my business and my mindset the most of like almost any book I've ever read. And so I'm, I'm already super appreciative of that, which you know. Um, but I kind of want to just give everybody a quick background and a quick overview of kind of the four disciplines. I know you kind of do this a lot. So just give a, a quick overview of, of the four disciplines real quick. Yeah. All right. So when we say uh, execution, four disciplines of execution, we're talking about 
we're not talking about executing on everything. Like we're not talking about running your whole business or managing your whole life. We're talking about executing on the really hard thing, on the on the breakthrough or the bottleneck. And usually that's something that requires a change in human behavior or whether it's yourself, whether it's your team or it requires a high degree of human engagement. And so this book is all about executing on the part of your plan that requires that change in human behavior in the face of all the other distractions. Because so often the, the, the most important thing is not the most urgent thing. And there's a million urgent things going on, weeks are going by and everybody's busy, but we're not getting any closer to the most strategic objective. And so the disciplines um, really focus on, all right, how do you, how do you break that? How do you, how do you, how do you create enormous focus and put disproportionate energy in the face of all those distractions? Yeah, no doubt. I love it. Okay. So that's the, that's the, what, uh, uh, so I go into it or, or we, no, no. I, so that was 100% a perfect overview. I'll probably have you go into real quick, like what the four different ones are, but I think that is a, a really key thing to start with because where I'm going to go after you, you kind of run through the four is how I believe you as you know, you coach this with organizations and you coach them with breakthrough results to help take their businesses to the next level and things like that. But as you know, I believe, and you believe this can be a framework that you can use for certain areas of your own personal life as well to create breakthroughs in your own personal life um, and in your own performance. But I'll jump to there in a second, but you just, again, run through focus, leverage, every, those four real quick. So, so as Nick is saying, each discipline is based on a principle. The first one, and I'll, I'll, I'll say what the, the discipline is and what the principle is. The first principle is the principle of focus. And that, that shouldn't come as a surprise when you're talking about execution. And, it, and discipline one is called focus on the wildly important. And that's all about getting very, very clear on, in addition to the day job or the everything I have to do to sustain the operation, what's the breakthrough? And not just conceptually, but in the form of a target with a starting line, a finish line, and a deadline. And in the second edition of the book, we go a lot further into what organizational leaders, people who are leading other teams, how they, how they orchestrate that. There's a little bit of a science to it, but just on an individual level, am I really clear on exactly what that finish line looks like? Where am I at now? Where do I want to be and by when? And that's discipline one, that's focus. Discipline two is the principle of leverage. And we call that act on the lead measures. And in, as it relates to any obstacle, and let's just stay with the concept of leverage. If I'm, if I'm trying to move a boulder and that boulder is just too heavy, right? That's how those goals, sometimes those breakthrough goals feel in our lives. They're just too heavy to move. You know, you think about how a lever works and, and how you move a, something that's too heavy to move. You get a lever and, and a lever has two characteristics. Right, you get you know the way that fulcrum works. You get far enough out on that lever. Hey, I can move the lever. The lever where the rock wasn't influenceable, the lever is. And the second characteristic is that it's predictive. When the lever moves, that rock moves forward. And you have to move the lever a long way to move the rock a little way. And that principle, wow, it cuts through everything. And there are always certain behaviors that are leveraged. And so, like if if you wanted to lose weight, you know tracking the amount of exercise or 
calorie input are the most obvious lead measures for weight loss. And once people see that, they're able to apply it in manufacturing, they're able to apply it in sales. And it's the discipline of not only identifying the leverage points, turns out that understanding the leverage points doesn't do you much good. You have to track it. There has to be some immediacy around it. And, and that takes you into the third discipline, which is keep a compelling scoreboard. And that's the discipline of engagement. Um, Dick and I were talking about a book called um, Atomic Habits that um, I've got my kids all into right now. And he's got some of the psychology behind a lot of what the disciplines are built on. One of the things he said is of the 12 million receptors in your brain for taking information in, excuse me, 11 million, um, 10 million of the 11 million are visual. And the, the brain, you know, when it comes to changing behavior, visual input is really important. And, and we, I didn't even know that. We've just known for 20 years that yeah. until somebody sees the scoreboard, until, until they can actually look at a scoreboard and know winning or losing right now, right now, and not only just on the lag measures, but that they can see the lead and the lag, the cause and the effect, that it's extremely compelling. And, and that sort of thing does a good job competing with the day-to-day -day urgency. And then the fourth discipline, right? So the first one's focus, the second one is leverage, the third one is engagement, the fourth one is accountability. And it's this, it's this discipline of, if, if you're on a team, Every week, everybody's got to commit to do something to ensure that those lead measures are going to happen, that we're going to make good on our bet because we're betting the lead measures will move the lag measure of our goal, right? And, and the fourth discipline is all about, all right, so let's stay with weight loss. Okay, it's raining all next week. I hate running in the rain. I'm getting the gym membership. That's my commitment, right? I've been eating like crap lately. And my calorie lead measure is off. I've got some great recipes. I'm gonna go to Whole Foods. Like, I don't care what they charge me. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna buy that stuff. I'm, I'm gonna make those, like, what am I gonna do that guarantees I'm gonna be good to those lead measures? And if everybody on the team is making those commitments, it is force against leverage, right? And the, the lever is the, 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 right? We're putting all the energy against that lever. And so if you're doing it individually, if applying it to yourself, you got to have a partner. You got to have right. somebody that hold, you know, that you know will hold you accountable. And if you can hold each other accountable, that's great. But we have to make those activities that drive the, 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 that breakthrough, that what we call wildly important goal, those have to feel as urgent as the day job. And if there isn't accountability, it doesn't. So that little package of disciplines you can wrap around, you know, various objectives that you know you want to have happen, but they're just losing to the day job is, yeah. is I guess, one way to frame it. So that's a, that's a quick overview. No. Yeah, that was great. And, you know, you talked about the the statistic or the st or the number from James Clear saying of the 10 or of the 11 million receptors 10 of them are visual um and, and I as you know I coach people in a 10 week fitness goal setting program now and, and have they have everybody has their own scoreboard and and it is it is so funny how true it is where the level of success that the person has with their goal is directly correlated to the frequency with which they look at their scoreboard. Yeah. And until it gets visual, it's like, it's not even real. 
It's like, yeah. it's just an idea. There, there's some little weird trigger in our brain that once we see it, it's like, okay, game on. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. I mean, so many people will, so like they have to send their scoreboard to me every single week and so many people, and like I have a, a file that they can use and if they, they don't meet their their lead measure, then it's, uh, it like pops up red instead of green. And, and so they're like, I, I, they're like, I had it right there. So unfortunately, like it was going to be, it was going to be, or like, I, I, I only did it because it was going to be red and I didn't want you to see it was red. Yeah. And, and you know, so much about goal achievement has to do with delayed gratification, mm. right? We're working, right. The reason the, the day job gets taken care of is because the consequences, that stuff is immediate. The goals always have this delayed gratification. And what the four disciplines do is they provide some immediate consequences associated with those activities. So just the, the lead measure went red like that. Right yep. now you can start to compete with the day job. But, you know, I loved what you, I love the, the analogy that you just, there, there was some immediate consequences to, okay, I'm off my plan right now. I got a course correct right now. Yeah. No, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said so much of, goal achievement is delayed gratification because I think that is like a human superpower to be able to embrace delayed gratification. And for me personally, the only way I've been able to experience that is to trick my mind and give myself those, those, um, alignment points or those lead measures or those daily feedback, that weekly feedback, because that was one of the things a few years ago, and it's not like I mastered it now, but that was one of the things a few years ago that I really struggled with was like patience with the journey. And I, I found myself becoming more and more patient with it solely because I had so many things that were like, had to get done today. And I saw those things as rewarding in relationship to the longer term goal. Yep. Yep. And I think that, you really said a key word when you said you almost have to trick yourself into this. Um, I'm learning more and more, and, and Clear makes this point in, in Atomic Habits, that, that just betting on willpower is just not a good strategy. No. And what can I do so that I don't have to run contrary to human nature? Yeah. If I know that urgency dominates importance, how do I make the important stuff feel urgent? Right. Well, you make a commitment. You have to report to a partner that week. That's one way to make it urgent. Right. Yeah. It's all it's got. You just time activated that sucker. And when a lead measure goes red, it's like like what we're doing is we're not changing human nature. We're just changing our perception of the problem so that it has that same immediacy. And, and we're sort of slowly developing, very slowly developing a little more capacity for delayed gratification. But, but you have to start sort of go working with natural capacity, which is, I gotta have immediate consequences on this stuff or it's not gonna happen. Yeah, no doubt. And there's some yeah. humility in that, right? There's some humility to say, yeah, I, you know what? I need these belts and suspenders. I, I, I do need to trick my brain into this a little bit. Yeah, I know, yeah, it's like, I, I know I'm not gonna be I'm not going to be patient. I need the. I need to give myself these small wins to show myself that I, I, I'm actually progressing, and, and so that I'm staying, stay motivated to keep moving. That's a key word too. Small wins. This is this. We see this all the time, whether it's on, on an organizational level or on team level. Making small wins a big deal. Yeah. Is is it seems to be a critical part of the formula too. Yeah, and I I didn't think about this until you just said it, but that's why. 
I am so adamant on any on people defining success for themselves today because I, I truly feel that when you don't define success for yourself today and you don't say like what do I need to get done or what do I need to achieve or, or how do I need to feel if you don't verbalize that self that stuff to yourself or you don't write that stuff down for yourself then you haven't defined what the small win is and so you can't have yeah, a small yeah, win. yeah 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 you're so right and we live off of that stuff you know if you look at we started to get into the engagement dynamic around the disciplines in other words when people executed well there was a spike in morale and and engagement levels and we wanted to understand why it turned out there was all this research done i think i brought this up in the last podcast a lot of research done by a guy named frederick uh hertzberg in the 1960s and you know hertzberg his big thing was is look there's a whole bunch of reasons people quit but don't confuse employee satisfaction or turnover or even camaraderie with engagement. Engagement is always about the work and there's only two things that truly drive engagement and that is, am I winning at something that matters? And so your point is right on. If somebody doesn't define, if somebody doesn't have a definition of success, then they're not gonna be achieving there's, there's, you can't have this, this, you can't, it's very difficult to see small wins. If you, and, and, and when you recognize that, you know, just like a shark has to keep swimming to stay alive, for whatever reason, you know, the human psyche really survives on small wins, small achievements. You know, yeah. somebody asks you, how's your day? You know, yeah, there's probably some good things that happen, some bad things, but what really makes a good day is, you know, did I get something? Did I achieve something? Did, you know? So yeah. I think we live on that a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and what you just said there, what when he said it, it relies on two things. Am I winning as something that matters? Right when you said that, I had a little light bulb moment in regards to my, my fitness goal setting with people because there are just going to be times where people who are, who I'm coaching have a specific goal and they have the the measure the the weekly measures that they're following, and four weeks in, five weeks in, whatever it is, they're not quite seeing maybe the weight loss or or the progress with their overall goal that they maybe would like to. And I think the thing that allows them to maybe stay motivated, like it's always it's definitely a struggle sometimes to stay motivated to to try to keep them motivated. But I think the thing that keeps them still going is the fact that they see that they're doing the things. And so and so they're, they're still winning that. And then also, I always require that people start off by writing down what their why is and why it's really important to them. And and because to me, it's like they are still winning because they're doing the, the measures and they're doing it. It's, it's something that matters and they know that it matters because they've, they've said why it matters. Now, this is one of the places where I part company with James Clear. Uh, in Atomic Habits. He's I, so much, like 99% of everything he says, I'm just enamored with. 
and his ability to explain and and the, the science behind it is very, very good. But he really downplays the goal side of it. And, you know, there's a quote that I really love. He says, you know, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And I buy that. But, you know, without some why, without a real, you know, I can get the best habits. You know, I can try and build habits, but I need that pull. I need... You know, I, I, I do, I need there to be a, I need there to be a, a, a goal or an achievement to, that motivates me to get into the system or I, I, I won't, I won't do the system for the sake of the system. I probably yeah. the obvious. No, I, I agree. And, and to me, I have, I've thought a lot about the whole why thing. And it's funny because when I first started, you know, hearing the whole why thing with Simon Sinek is I always thought it was kind of hokey. And I was like, what do you, I don't need to just pump myself up with saying like my why, like what are you talking about? I'm just a motivated person and I'm going to do it. But what I found is that when people, especially in the, when they're going after a specific goal, essential, you have to do in the beginning, but that's not when it comes into play in regards to motivation. It comes into play when like later on, when things get hard. Because in the beginning, you're, you're motivated. You're like, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do this thing. So you don't, need the, you don't need the why to take action. You need it when stuff sucks and it's challenging and it's painful and stuff like that. Yep. I like you know, you, something else you said uh, reminded me. Uh, Nick knows that my, my, uh, <laughs> my personal demon is this, uh, this water skiing addiction that I have. And it's 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 very technical and you, you you know it's measured it's not just recreational and you have to get around these buoys and and the boat go you know it keeps going faster and faster and 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 so i have this thing and it's perfect for four disciplines right it's like my little laboratory and lead and lag measures and but but yesterday oh i had a rough one yesterday it did not go i've been making i've been killing it right i've been making good progress like i could see the goal i got my leads working for me and yesterday, I just couldn't put it together. Like it, the body was just not cooperating. I couldn't. I couldn't keep the focus. Like whatever it was. But um, driving away, um, I, I realized that you know it's kind of what you just said a minute ago. That hey, even though the lag measure didn't show up the way I wanted it to, you know what? I I got two more sets on the water. I'm right where I need to be. I know that this is going to pay off at some point, right? If I had just been out skiing and I hadn't had the I hadn't had the framework, I hadn't had those lead yeah. measures defined. Yesterday would have been a loss. Yesterday would have been frustrating. But I knew, you know what? I controlled the things that I could control, mm. and I got to go home and I got to check those boxes. And you know what? I said, hey, I'm running the play. That's so, I love it. I love it. And I want to go somewhere else real, real quick uh, in a second. But what you just said is what I try to coach to people who do my program is like what success means for the program. So you said I get to go home and check the boxes. No, the, the, maybe the lag measure didn't move like I wanted it to, but I did the lead measures and that's what I can control. So that's what, that's what I coach to people. Like, look, I, I want for you to be able to, achieve the weight loss. I want for you to be able to achieve your overall goal. But at the end of the day, you can't necessarily control that. You can control following through with the promises that you make to yourself. So I'm like, I want success to be your weight loss, whatever the goal is. But success in this program, success, how you need to define it is following through with the promises that you make to yourself. 
you know, um, Stephen Covey, um, my mentor, had a great expression for what you're describing. What he said was that private victory always precedes public victory. Ooh. Right? You, matter of fact, his whole seven habits was built on this idea. The first three habits represent private victory. Like my character, the stuff nobody can see. Do I make and keep commitments to myself? You know, habit one, be proactive means I'm not a victim. Right now, the world is just addicted to being a victim. And, and his first habit was under no circumstances am I ever the victim. I am the programmer in my life. Habit two was write the program. Habit three was execute the program. He says, if a person does that, they will obtain a level of independence. And he called that the private victory. And he says, that has to be in place before you achieve any type of public victory. He said, because you, you obtain a level of independence whether it's financial, emotional, physical, you, you, you obtain a level of independence. And he said that only really independent people can be, he used the word interdependent, but can have healthy relationships. And right, that all of the private victory, excuse me, all the public victory, think win-win, seek first to understand, synergize, all of those, well, he put it this way, I'll say it like, like he said it. He said, interdependent, healthy, like a dependent relationships where we have a relationship, but we have to be in it and we, right? It's bad, it's unhealthy relationship. But he, but he said interdependent, healthy relationships can only be achieved by independent people. That interdependence is a choice that only an independent person can make. And so like that's a deeper like part of this thing that even if, right, even if the outcomes don't move, if you are making and keeping a commitment to yourself, that's a big deal. That pays off in a bunch of places. Sorry to go down that rat hole, but that's a big idea. I, I love that you've got such a focus on that. No, I, th I think that people need to rewind and, and listen to the last three minutes exactly how you just said it, because I think, I think you might've even mentioned that on the, um, on the interview with Scott that I wasn't doing not too long ago in regards to the independence and in, independence and interdependence. And I was like, I, I remember hearing it then. And I was like, like, that was, that was good. Get into seven habits and they missed the big picture. The maturity continuum is this whole idea. And sometimes you have to kind of get through the habits, then go back and look at what did he mean by the maturity continuum? And I, I got exposed to this stuff 30, it was 30 years this month, Nick. Wow. I stowed away. I pretended to be a <laughs> newspaper reporter. <laughs> I, I remember, <laughs> I tried I remember to interview them and then parlayed it into an internship. And, and like, I, I, like, like I, I started as this fake unpaid intern 30 years ago this month, but I was a Stephen Covey groupie. Like I heard that stuff and I was like, I need this. I am such a reactive you know, victim-oriented person. Like I really need, and it has paid huge dividends over 30 years. It's, it's, it's yeah. 30, 30 years goes fast too, brother. <laughs> I'm looking at the two of us on screen. I'm like, I'm the old guy. I'm never the old. Why am I the old guy? Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Handsome young guy. Right? That used to be, well, I was young. Yeah, it's funny. I, oh my gosh. I, I still remember the, um, 
I'm going to link up the the last episode with, with this one in the show notes, and you guys need to go back and, and listen to uh, because we I think we we we, we kind of well we kind of started off the last episode with your you starting with Franklin Co- or whatever the company was back then, uh, and it was hilarious. Awesome story. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats. Um, all right, so I, I want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because this is something that I've recently started to think about in regards to the framework to get closer to the best version of yourself. Because I truly, the the reason why I started with best you in the first place is you. I kept hearing get closer to the best version of yourself, and that was kind of my why. My why was get clo- I want to get closer to the best version of myself, but I didn't like that I kept coming back to that, and I realized. I didn't like coming back to that because people are saying it, but they weren't telling me how to do it. They weren't, I I was like, okay, like you say it goes to the best version of myself, but how? Like, I I know you're telling me doing, I can improve in this area, improve in this area, but like, but like, no, but what's the framework that I can follow and adopt to get closer to the best version of Nick Carrier? And so I've been, that's like kind of been, that's like my mission is to like kind of like discover what that framework is. And so like kind of an idea I've come up with is like there's these six or seven different areas of life. There's your health, your relationships, your career, spiritual, financial, personal. And then I have the seventh one is just like other things that maybe just don't fit into those. And so I kind of believe that yeah, the way you you broke it down just like Stephen Covey did. <laughs> you are right. You are hand, you're hand in hand with the old man right now. So keep going. <laughs> uh, crowd, though. That was that was his his slice was just just about just about, about how you did it right there. So keep going. Awesome, awesome. Well, I kind of believe that at all times of our life, we need to be managing or maybe slightly improving in all of these areas at all times. If we let anyone go for too long, then things can crumble. But there needs to be one of them that is what I've what I use the term as there needs to be one spiking at all times. So maybe we're spiking in our like I'm I'm in the phase of my life right now where I feel like I'm spiking in my professional life in the sense that I'm really just spending a lot of time focusing on that, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of attention, and, and hopefully improving a lot as well. And those other areas, I'm, I'm not, I'm still making sure I'm managing my health and fitness. I'm still making sure I'm managing my spiritual life. I'm still making sure I'm managing my relationships with my friends and family. But, you know, at a certain season in my life in the future, that's going to change. Like maybe the things are better with with business and and I need to maybe focus on my spiritual life a little bit more. I need to focus. Anyways, you kind of, you can kind of get the point. And so I, I, I mentioned how you kind of need, I, I feel like you need to be spiking in one area at any point in time, if you want to get close to the best version of yourself. And one of the things that had, had the biggest impact on me when I read the book the first time was this line of if every other aspect of our team's performance remained at its current level, what is the one area where significant improvement would have the greatest impact? And that's when you're trying to determine what your wig is. That's when you're trying to determine We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your your weekly 
routine or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10-week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything, I really wanted to achieve. It was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Which area am I going to spike at? Yeah, that is, that's maybe the underlying principle of execution that we've learned over 20 years. If you said, look, step back, Chris, from the whole thing and all the details, and the human capacity to spike one area, we, we have this little nickname we, we call whirlwind plus one. Yeah. Yeah. What's your plus, what's your plus one? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so like, like you say, like you say, and with the whirlwind, you can't forget about it. You still have to do it because what kills you, if you don't do it today, it could kill you. But also if you focus on the, if you don't do the improvement, it could kill you tomorrow. Um, so, so my thought is, as individuals, we need to constantly be asking ourselves that question. If all of these other six, seven areas of our life were, or, or all the areas were staying at the current level of performance, what's the one area that would create the biggest positive impact in my life? And that's the area where I need to create some sort of goal in, or that's the area that I need to try to spike in. I, uh, I mentioned, I got a quote in the, in the new book from uh, Tim Tisopoulos, who's the, uh, the president of Chick-fil-A. And he, we had worked with him 20 years ago. And Tim had said to us, and I, I don't know if he didn't start us down this path with this statement, but it stuck with us. I mean, he, he's 
renowned all over the world as an amazing executor, operator. Tim said, um, the first thing I want to know when I work with a leader, he says, where is that leader spending disproportionate energy? Like, I don't want to hear the five priorities. I don't want to hear that. I know. He's like, I want to know what's your big, or whether you even have one, like what's your number one, right? And then you got, then you got uh, Dave Grisson, the number two guy at Marriott. Okay, he's got a group of people that are about to launch four disciplines. And he says to them, he says it his way. And what he said was, hey, if you want to keep your job at Marriott, take care of the day job. We'll never fire you. As long as you take care of the day job, you'll always have a job at Marriott. But then there was a pause. And then he goes, but if you want to get promoted, give me one. Bring me one. So there's this idea that we have to maintain, but when it comes to serious progress, it does take disproportionate energy. And I like your language. Can we spike in one area? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I do think that is a, a really, a really important principle because like, I, I think I, I wrote down the quote. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it right now, but you said like, yeah, yeah. If you ignore the urgent, it can kill you today. But it's also true that if you ignore the important, it can kill you tomorrow. Because a lot of times, if if you you know if if you ignore your health, if you ignore your relationships, then maybe it's not going to do anything now. But maybe in five years, then your relationship with your wife is going to crumble and you get divorced, or maybe your health goes to crap and you're in the hospital for months on end. You know, there's Stephen Covey um, said something else that's haunted me my entire career. And he said, be, I don't know why this, I have this capacity. He, even I've hung around with his sons and even his sons are like, you're a freak. <laughs> you quote my dad, like, I don't know why, but it just all went in. But one of the things he said was, is be careful that you don't climb a ladder of success to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. And this has always haunted me. Like I always sort of step back a little bit from just sort of blind ambition. What? Do, what? Do, what? Do, yeah. So what did you? What do you feel that mean? What do you feel that means? Well, you know, I, I think it's. I think it's a really deep personal question. But you know, in the end. Um, Covey used to do a lot of work around, you know, writing your epitaph and what is your legacy? And I mean, he took that stuff very seriously and, you know, there, there, we can, we can be so fixated on achievement and getting the next thing and getting the next thing that we can build a ladder of success to find that, well, we got somewhere and, but it really wasn't, really wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't the best me. I think you're really onto something when you say the best you and just something to consider, you know, Covey broke down those, I know we're going to dedicate this session to this. is This one is, this one is Chris on Covey. That's what this session is right now. But I, you, you got it open. The Covey vault is open, but Covey had this little diagram where he had all of these, um, what he called alternate life centers. And he said, you could be spouse centered, you could be kid centered, you could be career centered, you could be church centered, you could be um, community centered, you could be, and he said, all of these life centers, if you make them the center of your life, any one of them, 
um, you'll turn up disappointed in the end. And he said that, um, and that's why I called them alternate life centers. And then he would sort of play out what it looks like to sort of have, to have that one element of your life become the center of your life. Yeah. And I think this gets to the question of, this gets to the question of what is leaning against the wrong wall is. And then what he put at the center is, um, and, and this, this term really caught on, he called it principle centered. Now he had some religious beliefs that he would kind of hold back on, but he said at the middle is truth. And you know, he said, we don't, we don't get to make our own truth. Yeah. The very definition of truth is it's, it's external. And, you know, I think if we look inside, we know, like we have a sense of like what we're supposed to be doing as people. Like there's, you know, I, 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 it's religious for me, but I think there is a divine center. And I think if you have that in mind, you do very well on the others. But can I get, can I get really centered around? And so I think best you, Nick, it really invites that conversation about, okay, well, you know, what is it, you know, if, if I have a creator, what is it I was created to become? Yeah. That's my, right. And that he actually, before he wrote seven habits, he wrote a book called the divine center. And it was on this topic of like, don't, don't let, you know, success in any of these areas miss you from your sort of divine calling. That's why you would have people write their epitaph or their, their funeral speech. And then I think if you're grounded there, you're, you're really free to sort of keep everything in balance and spike the things, um, that you want to spike. Um, but that is for whatever reason, that's always stayed with me. And I think it's been good for me, <laughs> my personality, right? Just to sort of take inventory and say, okay, don't, don't leave a disaster in your wake, Chris. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, right. Have a little perspective. So, no, but I think that, it's really related. I think, I think that, that there, there's some chapters in the book called principle centered leadership which is probably his second best-selling book. And then if you can get your hands on it um, and let me know if you can't, I'll, I'll help you find one, but it's not in very much circulation. The book's called The Divine Center. Okay. And it's really, it really sort of gets to, you know, how do you get, how do you get yourself grounded as a foundation? He was very good at that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a few things I want to... Um breakdown real quick after I finish writing that down. So it's funny you bring up the like writing your, your epitaph, your eulogy, that kind of thing. Um, Donald Miller, you know, Donald Miller, the story brand business made simple guy. He, he has a, he has a course on his platform where you write, you write your eulogy. And I did that six months ago or so. And it's quite an, ex, it's quite an, ex, it's quite an experience. That's for sure. Um, so I, I think that's really important. The, the other thing in regards to, you know, you talked about the different centers that Stephen Covey talks about. You could be spousal centered, you could be kid centered, you could be career centered, those sorts of things, but you don't want to have any of them completely rule your life. And, and the thing that I thought about, you know, may, I think is because you mentioned the, the a ladder. The thing I, the thing I thought about is if you make one of those your center and you live so long by only making that at your center, then your ladder might get tall, but it's going to be really thin. And like, 
it's going to be get easier and easier to blow over. Like like a, like a tree, like if a tree's roots aren't deep, but deeply embedded into the ground, then it's going to blow over. But if you if you are managing or slightly improving all of these areas, then your ladder is going to be wide or your tree base is going to be wide and it's not going to blow over. And then the last thing is the first thing that I thought about when you said that quote, which is awesome, the be wary of climbing a ladder that's leaning against the wrong wall. The thing that, and it's kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is I try, I want people to define what success means today. And I think that what it, what it, you, I'm not going to be the one who says what Stephen Covey means, but when he says, be wary of leaning along the, um, on the wrong wall, I think it's a lot of people adopt the definition of success of others. And so people chase, chase down other definitions of success. And so once they get there, they think they're going to be happy, fulfilled, yada, yada, yada. But they realize that like maybe that wasn't as important to them as maybe the, the other person that they followed or and, and that kind let of me thing. let me tag on there not only adopting somebody else's version of success sometimes success is interpreted as pleasing everybody else um yeah. how am i seeing the 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 social mirror and if it, you know my my worth is determined by how others see me is a really flawed way right and that that's why really getting back to look even if, even if, you know, people didn't think it was all that cool, like what's, what's important to me? Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that, and that, Crap. It, it, that's, that's a tough thing to define. That's a tough question to answer and, it, and it's constant and it's ever changing, but I think it's required to be done in order to stay happy and stay fulfilled. Like I think one of the things I don't want to go to, one of the things that I've that I've thought about a lot over the last you know few years is like I think that one of the reasons why when you kind of like graduate high school and then you graduate college and, and why a lot of people nowadays are not fulfilled or depressed, anxious, all these kind of things is I know for me personally my experience was growing up, going through high school, going through college, success is pretty easily defined for you. In high school, in high school for me, success was being good at sports and getting good grades, and you know, or and then having good friends, and you know, similar in college. And because I, because I aligned with those versions of success, and I was pretty good at those things, I was always happy and carefree, whatever. But then once you get like out of college and, and into the real world, especially if you get into entrepreneurship, nobody's telling you what success is on a daily basis. And so you have you have to do the work of defining that for yourself. But the problem is if, if you go into a job that you don't like, then you're forced to adopt the other version of success. And when that version of success that you're almost being forced to adopt doesn't align with yours, that's when you're depressed, not fulfilled, not happy, anxious, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think one of the um, one word we've been working a little around is idea of ambiguity. And you you, know, you come out of you come out of high school, you come out of college, and like you said, you, you, very low levels of ambiguity. 
like kids are like, wait, you cannot test us on that. You did not share. That was not on the, that was not on the study guide. You can't put that in the test. Like we are so, we, we are so honed for low levels of ambig ambiguity and uncertainty. And then we go from this very tight constructed environment to total ambiguity. Yeah. Right. Anarchy here, right? And, and, you know, ambiguity is a little bit like carbon monoxide poisoning. I got another book reference for you here. Um, uh, the nonsense, the power of, of not knowing. And it's how human beings handle ambiguity. And uh, Jamie, oh, darn it. I can't think of his life. It'll come to me. Um, he, uh, he makes a very good case for why you really can understand emotional well-being through this lens. And, you know, even if, even if you're put into, sometimes you're put into a job and they don't have a lot of structure for you. They're like, well, how, how many times in an interview, you know, that word ambiguity comes up. How do you do an ambiguous situation, right? Because we're not given a lot of direction and you're not given a lot in your life as well. And so our ability um, our ability to have that, those frameworks, I think are really important and start to create that structure for ourselves and have winnable objectives. I think all of that is extremely healthy. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so, I do think that's so revealing too, in regards to we're programmed to not respond well to uncertainty. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. I, I can still remember a English class in college, like my freshman or sophomore year where the teacher said to write a however many word paper and you can write it on the topic that you want. I'm like, what? No, like, give me something to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And, but, but like, I, I think that's like a good exercise. Like, you know, you, you're provided with some uncertainty that you have to go about and define success for yourself or you have to navigate that yourself. And we're not, we're not given enough of those types of exercises to set us up for success maybe in the real world. So I have a, I got a, I got a, uh, uh, I, have, I have seven kids, five daughters, two sons. And two of my girls are married. And then the, the third one is engaged and the future son-in-law is, was living at our house for a couple of weeks, right? And and we'd met him before, of course, and but but now he, he you know he was it was a little bit bigger of a visit, and they're engaged now, and, and so I just was like I just dreamt up all the projects I could dream up, <laughs> just so he and I would just have, have to work on stuff and go to Home Depot together and just have this guy time, and, and I'm not like I'm really grateful. This is sweet kid. I'm really grateful when you're a father of a daughter and your daughter you know, is going to marry somebody that's a really good person. You're so grateful. Like you don't want to screw it up, but at the same time, you know, and so it would be so fun. Cause he'd, he'd ask me for these very specific instructions. I'd be like, I don't know, you know, how, how would you, how would you do that? How would you, you know, so we, we fixed the trampoline, we fixed two bathrooms. We fixed like we had all these projects and I just, I just kept pushing him into ambiguity just to see kind of how he processed. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it it is acquired behavior, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, that that is so funny. What I'm, <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, maybe I'm going to mention this. So, when in, in college, I was in in a fraternity and went through pledgeship, and <laughs> one of the things that in in the moment was the most frustrating thing ever, but now 
and even kind of shortly after I've realized the importance of is they would tell us to, to do things, you know, if we're doing things for the older guys or whatever. And a lot of times it'd be stupid stuff or things that made no sense. And we would ask them, how do you want us to do it or anything like that? And they would always say, it was like a thing to say, figure it out, figure it out. And, and, and like not give us any direction. And like in the moment it was so annoying and it was, but like, but it's, but it, the more exercises like that, that we can have, the more we can expose ourselves to uncertainty and ambiguity in those earlier stages of our life before we go to the real world, it's just going to set us up for success because there is just so much ambiguity and, and a lot of people just don't know how to handle it emotionally or just like practically. <laughs> yeah. And we, we end up settling and there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of really interesting things that human beings do when the ambiguity level gets too high. It's a fascinating, uh, really fascinating little read on, and just, a, I could see things with myself how when I was in an ambiguous situation, like um, coming up with a new compensation plan at work, how that was so, I couldn't go to bed at night not knowing how I was gonna be paid. And, and my whole brain was bent on just get, get something signed, get something down, I, you know? And, and, and I was reading the book at the time and I was really like, no, 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 no. Let this thing breathe. Just be okay in the ambiguity. And, you know, things worked out really well, but I was, but I had to overcome sort of that panic to eliminate the ambiguity and like, all right, I'm going to stay in the unknown for a little while and we're going to explore this. And, uh, and anyways, I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a lot to be learned there. Yeah. And, and I'm going to get done. I'm going to have this be maybe the, the, the second to last question, because I, I do think this is really important. Um, and I think it has to come, it comes with practice, but how can, one be more comfortable with the ambiguity? How can one learn to become more comfortable with the uncertainty? I definitely think that practice is a is a way, but what does that practice look like? So I think we go we can go full circle right here. And I think if someone let's let's create a scenario for a second. Um, a lot of people right now, because of the pandemic, they're in organizations that are pivoting and changing and there's new strategies and everything. It's like somebody just shook the board and everybody's <laughs> got to do work differently. And we're working from home now and that changed and we're not, we discontinued that product line. Everybody's got a lot of ambiguity going on right now. And with that, there's a lot of new goals. There's a lot of new objectives. We don't know how to get there and figure it out isn't working for us. Yeah. And so I would go full circle back to what you said a little while ago and say, okay, break down the various parts of your life. Don't solve, like, like don't try and spike everything all at once, okay? So you know what? Yeah, your relationship with your daughter could be better. Yeah, uh, you really ought to be getting your finances in place and you really ought to get your bank accounts figured out. Yeah, yeah, we, right. Yeah, there's all this stuff and your head could explode. So put everything in life support except for one thing. Spike one thing in that little book on your, to the, to the, on, on your, on your right shoulder right there is a really nice formula for taking ambiguity out of goal setting. Just walk the process. All right, instead of, progress in my job, 
right? You know, I'm 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 going to uh, you know I'm going to secure a career mentor by the end of the quarter. Right, that's my lag. And what are my leads? Okay, I'm I'm going to network with three people every single week. Right, and what's my scoreboard look like? And like, and and then and then this week, all I've got to do, right? What do I have to do this week? And if I can chunk that down, right? The, the, one of the things those disciplines do is they provide a really nice way to take the ambiguity out of goal setting, where there typically is, particularly for goals we've never achieved before, there typically is a lot. So I'd start with what you said, life support on everything, spike one thing, and, and just rely on those principles to, to you know, get traction and, and take, the, take the frustrating ambiguity out of it. Yeah, did a damn good job of making that come full circle right there at the end. That, that was awesome. That was you, awesome. Put it out, you put it right over the plate. Yeah, it was right there. <laughs> you didn't see it, but it was hanging right there. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well chris before i ask the last question i just want to acknowledge you for the work that you guys continue to do and honestly like the focus work the, the more and more that i have lived and had professional goals the more and more i realize and admire people who are able to stay so focused on one problem or one framework like like you guys have been work doing this stuff since how many years now? Yeah, like and one of the things that comes to the top. Yeah, yeah, but like you, I mean, you you've used your own principle of focus and and really honed in on it. And you know, like someone like Dave Ramsey who's talking about this debt over and over again every single day. Like the more and more I I go through. It's so hard. Like I admire people so much who are able to stay so focused on one topic and just stay dedicated to that and try to solve that problem. And you guys have done such a great job of that, and you continue to get more and more clear on on solutions and more and more clear on, on different principles and, and things that people can apply to to increase the likelihood that they're successful with these sorts of things. And so it's really admirable. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. I really appreciate people like you that like bring it to life and, and, and apply it to your expertise. And it's been fun for me to watch what you've done with this. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Well, uh, well, yeah, well, you guys obviously know I could not endorse this book any further. Go get the, uh, the second edition now of the four disciplines of execution. I had actually things to talk about from the second book in, uh, in, in my notes and we went, uh, other places, but I, I'm glad we did because it, it was a, awesome conversation and a ton of fun. But last question, Chris, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and it's a unique journey, right? Like best you, you define success for yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best version of Chris McChesney that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you can currently do or currently work on? I, I got this limited, oh, it's not moving, darn it. I've got the I got a whiteboard right there, and I've, I've got a it would be out of focus anyways. But I've got it. I've got a goal tracker um, slash scoreboard um, on my uh, on my grease board, and so um, there. So I'll give you three right now. Um, one is uh, you know kind of going back to that spiritual thing. Um, I despite having a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution, I am not a naturally disciplined person. And so I have a check mark every morning when I come down to this office and I, um, I turn on an audio version um, of the Bible. 
And so when I'm getting ready, I, I shave down here and, and, and kind of clean myself up and get ready for the day. And I go through, I have a stretching regiment and everything else like that. I'll knock off, um, uh, you know, five or six chapters in the Bible. It just gives me a chance. It's a really good form of meditation and clarity. And it's something that I want to understand better. And I find that if I, if I, if I kind of start from a, a spiritual place at the beginning of the day, that I am the kinder, gentler version of myself. And that's a, because <laughs> the other version, <laughs> let me just say people have issues, okay? <laughs> so that's number one. Number two is I have this little Rolodex in my head with seven kids. And I, I always seem to know which is the one that needs the attention. And so am I, am I sort of investing in that Right there, I, I kind of can tell which which one floats to the surface, and if they're home, um, that's one on one time. It's windshield time, and I was given the I was given the the I don't know if you can see this. This is the uh, this is the windshield award I was given for Christmas, and it says uh, it says it it all makes sense in the passenger seat of Dad's car. Like that's my. <laughs> And that was actually, that's really sweet, but that was said, that was said sarcastically by one of the ones in the back seat after some problem solving with the one in the front seat. They're like, yeah, whatever, yeah, Mariah. It all makes sense now. Wait till you leave the car. It may not make as much sense. So number two is like, if I touch and base with, the, this, this is it. If the house burns down, this comes with me. <laughs> the computer, the, the other stuff can burn, but the, 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 the windshield award is coming with me if the house burns. That's and then, and then finally, um, I'm going to start a uh, I'm going to start a uh, an execution newsletter, monthly newsletter. And I've been doing much better at getting articles published, which has always been a, a, a real challenge for me on a regular basis. I've got a great team I'm working with right now, and so I want to put out a I want to put out an article. Uh, James Clear inspired me a little bit about this. His regular writing patterns really paid off for him. And so I want to, I want, if I, if I can create new content and I have amazing resources and amazing leaders, I can tap for this. Right. So if I can, if I can get myself grounded spiritually, if I can keep the balance with the kids and if I can continue to develop on that, on that challenge, on that execution challenge, you know, meaningful content every month, I can do those three things. I'm pretty happy. Have you started that newsletter yet? Not yet. No, I, I say no. Yeah, I'm sitting on four videos and um, um, five articles that I for for starting. I just got to figure out. We're still working on marketing and logistics and various things like that. Right. So, no, you've you've had some experience with this. I'd love to tap you on this one, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I I was I'm looking forward to uh, subscribing to it whenever it does, and and I'll be I'll be sure to uh, to share it with people as well. Um, but. Chris, awesome stuff as always. Those, those three things are those th three things are great, and I think that's a special ability to be able to kind of sense out which kid might need a little bit more attention and a little bit more uh, of your love and your energy. So, but anyways, great stuff today. Loved it as always. Uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I love your energy. I love what you're about as a person. I don't know what fuels you, but dude, keep it going. You're having a real positive impact on a lot of people, Nick. I am a huge fan. You keep doing what you're doing. You, you have a gift, brother. Anytime I speak to Chris, we feed off of each other's energy and it's so much fun. He always gets me so amped up about life, about wanting to achieve my goals, and just about personal development in general. 
I also just could not be more appreciative of Chris's work with the four disciplines and what it's allowed me to achieve in my own life. So please do yourself a favor and go grab a copy of the four disciplines of execution right now at 40xbook.com. I don't want to have to say it again. Literally pause what you're doing, go to Amazon right now or go online and 40xbook.com or type in the four disciplines of execution. You have to get this book. And also be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member because this one needs to be heard because you have no idea what it has the ability to do in somebody else's life. And then also be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. And if you're interested in having that daily, weekly, and monthly planner that gives you confidence that you're always getting closer to your best you, then all you have to do is go to go.nickcarrier.com slash thebestjourneyplanner. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash thebestjourneyplanner. Chris says that private victory always precedes public victory. And he also says that be wary of climbing a ladder that's leaning against the wrong wall. Meaning be sure to define success for yourself and don't chase down somebody else's definition of success because it will leave you feeling empty, unfulfilled, and misaligned. And begin to spend some time in ambiguity, spend some time in uncertainty because when we start to experience it more and more, we learn how to navigate it appropriately. We gain new priceless skills, experience, and knowledge that will allow us to get closer and closer to your best you. 